Okay. If you want to open up your uh, Bibles, we're going to be mainly looking at um, Luke chapter 9. But as, we, as always, before we come uh, around, the, around the words, I'm just going to pray. So, Jesus, we, I just pray in this moment as we continue to receive from what you want to speak into our lives. Lord, Lord I just pray, Lord, for, um, for wisdom, Lord, Lord. We pray, Lord, for your grace. We pray for your mercy. And Jesus, Jesus, we pray, Lord, may we have a fresh glimpse and revelation of you. As always, God, I pray, Lord, anything that's of me, may it be um, forgotten, Lord, and just blown away in the wind. But Jesus, we just want to pray, Lord, everything that's off of you, Lord, may it resound in our hearts. May it stay there. Will it transform us? Will it work inside of us? In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to uh, talk the, the valley and the mountain. And I don't know about some of you, how um, God works in your life and sometimes how he communicates in your life. But throughout my life, God has shown me glimpses of perhaps what is to come. He's shown me glimpses of um, situations and circumstances that will happen in, in the future, a bit of revelation or, or perhaps a little bit of glimpse of, of who he, he is. And so, and so for example, um, there was one um, glimpse I, I can still remember to this, to this day, and it was in uh, what I call a home church, and it was the senior pastor. It was his, he, he, he was suffering from cancer. He was uh, Eric Hutchinson. He was a big guy. I mean, when I say big, he's probably, what, 20, 25 stone or, or, or something like that. So he's, he's, he's big, and he's, he did one of the best breakfasts ever. So when it came to the men's breakfast, you made sure you were there because he had different frying pans, but if you had your egg, your bacon, instead of doing them differently, he would put them all into one, all into one tray. So you had your eggs, you had your bacon, you had your, uh, your fried toast, all in there, all in over the grease, and he just basically slid it onto your plate, and it did that onto the plate, and then that was yours, and then he would do the next one. And so he had about four or five, and so it was most, one of the most greasiest breakfasts you could have, but one of the best ones. And so sometimes you made sure you can go there. So sometimes you, you realize, okay, well, perhaps why he was, he was that big, but he was such a man of God. One of, the best thing, one of the best things about it was, though, although he was, although he was big and sometimes um, he'd be teased about it, and so when we did an outreach event and we had a bouncy castle in the church, there were some uh, teenagers who came in and they, were ta- they didn't know who he was and they were taking the mickey out of him. And he was, stand- and he was standing, was not standing guard, but he was looking after the bouncy castle. And they're like, oh, you can't, you can't go on the bouncy castle. You, you're, you, you're too, um, I won't use the words, but you're too big. Um, and so he proceeded to take his shoes and socks off, and he walked straight into this bouncy castle, which may have done that a little bit. But then he started bouncing up and down and started shouting, I'm Eric the Gladiator, and all the kids started bouncing off. <laughs> but he was a fantastic guy. Fantastic guy, but you knew that he encountered God. You knew he was one of these people that, when he started pacing at the front of the church, everyone sort of ducked because you knew he might have a word for you. And so so it was almost when he started pacing, you were just like, okay, you started making sure you were clean because you didn't want anything to come out. So you'd hide. And I remember his last talk, and he's suffering from cancer, and there's similar sort of steps up into the stage that there is now, and he was trying to pretend, trying to pretend in the in the man that he he was, and he managed to he just about managed to walk up the stairs, and then he slowly walked across, and we had a massive, great, big wooden lectern, and he put his Bible and he put his notes on the lectern, and I mean it, the lectern was solid oak, and. Well, I, I just remember him just basically just laying like this. And you thought that he was, he tried to pretend that he was just, you know, 
resting on it, but he could see he was totally worn out, and he could see actually the lectern was holding him up. And in that moment when he's sharing his last message that he thought he had for the church, me, young, naive, sitting over, if this was kind of the church day, I'll be sitting, sitting over, in this, over in this corner. And I remember just looking up, and I saw something. I don't know what it was, but I saw something. And I thought, I wouldn't mind doing that one day. Just simply said that in my head. Then went back to whatever I was doing. But it's it's amazing. I didn't think anything of it. And how, even though at that throughout the year it took a long while for it to come to pass, I didn't I didn't I didn't chase didn't chase it. I had a glimpse of what perhaps might happen. Have you ever had that? You ever had things like that where sometimes I've had. I've dreamt something, I've dreamt a scene and a scenario, and I've woken, woken up and I'm like, that's just strange, I haven't had any cheese, I haven't had anything like that, it's all good. And then, you know, three or four or five years down the line, you'll be in a situation, and some, some, then something would happen, you'd be like, I've seen this before. And some of it, for me, God's just been saying, you know, I told you it would happen, you're still here you're still surviving, I've got your back. Other times it might be a warning of, okay, just be careful what you say, because in my dream, I've, I've known what I've said next, and so I've paused and I've rephrased what I was about to say, and it didn't go quite way, it didn't go the same way that as my dream worked out, which was a good thing. But it's amazing how he gives you glimpses, if you listen and if you're paying attention, and of the things that might happen or could happen, and will come to pass. And it's fascinating. And in the passage that we're going to look at, we, we have Jesus, he's with the disciples, Jesus has just given thanks, he's fed the 5,000, and they've, they've, got, they've gone, and he takes the disciples up to um, uh, Caesarea Philippi. And so, um, could we... Thank, yes, thank you. And so he takes the, his disciples up to Caesarea Philippi, which is basically, it's Herod the Great's son's city. It's a place where good Jewish boys don't go. It's full of uh, idols. Um, this is kind of, um, a modern artist's design of what uh, it could have looked like at the, at the time. Um, sorry, this doesn't work. That's not working. That's not working. Second slide. If we could have second slide, please, that'll be that'll be great. And so, um, it's not their fault. I've just I, I imported the I imported the slides this morning, and I I put it in the wrong wrong folder. So it's not it's not their fault. That's 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 my, that's, that's my fault. And so what you can what you can see here is you have the pool and you have the cave and they thought that this cave would, was the entrance to the underground world. This is where um, I was checking around for the young ones. This is where uh, sacrifices would be made of um, adults and, and, and things. And this is where kind of the, the, the enemy would stay over winter because they didn't want to get cold. And so this is a place where it's just full of idols. And this city was the common place when you went into the city. If someone came up to you, the common greeting would be, Caesar is Lord. That's the common greeting in that time for that city. It would be, Caesar is Lord. And Jesus takes them into this city, into this area where good Jewish boys don't go. And he takes these, and when we talk about disciples, they're teenagers, late teenagers, early 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 twenties. And in this city, in the in this in this surrounding, when we get to Luke nine from verse eighteen to twenty. It says, now as it happens, that as he was praying alone, the disciples were there with him. And he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. Others say, Elijah. 
And others say one of the prophets that has been raised old, one of the old prophets that has been raised, has been, that uh, prophet of old has risen. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? He's, they're surrounded by all these idols and all these different sayings. Jesus is saying, who do you say I am? What's your opinion of me? What's your, you've been journeying with me. You've seen all these miracles taking place. You've seen all these healings taking place. Now, who do you say I am? And it's interesting, it's in a moment of prayer. He says that he's praying, he's praying alone, and the disciples are there. And it's almost you can see he's, he's, he's praying, and the disciples are around, whether they're praying as well, or whether they're in their own little huddle and they're watching over. You can almost see Jesus kind of praying, and he looks over and says, Who do you say I am? As he pauses in his prayer. And in that moment, Simon, Simon Peter, when you look at um, in Matthew, in Matthew, if you go to in Matthew 16, it says, Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. You have Peter gets a glimpse of who Jesus is before the cross comes. He gets a glimpse. He gets this revelation but not only that, Jesus in turn gives him another glimpse of what will happen. Your name's now Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And you've got to understand, church, when we read it in our Bibles, we read it as church. The translators try to bring it back to a building, but it doesn't mean building. When Jesus says, I will build my church, it means I will, upon you, I will build my gathering of believers, my, the congregation, the fellowship, the gathering. It means a community of people. Um, and upon this community of people, the gates of hell will have no power. And he gets this glimpse and this revelation, revelation, that's amazing. I wonder what Peter's reaction, well, we all know what Peter's a bit like. Put, put, puts his foot in first and thinks about what he uh, says later on. And, you know, he's the first one to act, in, you know, and he, he cuts the Roman's ear off later on with his, with his sword. You know, he's, he's, the, he's, a bit, he's a bit eager. He's a bit zest and there. But he has this revelation. I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder if perhaps we can't prove this. I don't know. This is just speculation. I wonder, did he contemplate it and not say anything? Or did he contemplate it and then perhaps have a little bit of an ego? Don't know. But as a result of this, I haven't got it, I haven't got it up on the side, but if you read, continue to read that, the next passage, he... He then turns around to them because of this. Because of this, you know, all the I've given you the given the keys of uh, the of, of the of the kingdom. Whatever you loose will be loose. Whatever you bind will be bound. And he goes, but if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross. It's going to cost you some desires that you perhaps want to do. You're going to have to lay them aside. Daily, you get, you're going to the revelation that you have. You've got revelation, but you still have a choice what you do with that revelation. You still have a choice of how your character is going to handle it. You still have a choice of are you going to follow or are you going to reject 
And we know the disciples followed Jesus. And we know that Peter, James, and John, whenever Jesus goes into a quiet place, he takes, he takes these three. The Bible doesn't give a reason why. He t- he, these three disciples seem to be stand out from the other um, nine disciples that are there. The Bible doesn't give a reason why. Perhaps it's the calling that God has put on their lives or something about the uniqueness. We, we don't know, but Jesus calls these, these three and takes out of the nine and he takes them places. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt called? Have you ever felt that Jesus has spoken something into your life and that sometimes, although you want to be part of the crowd, although you still want to fit in, something feels a bit different? Have you ever felt that? And we see in, as we carry on, as we carry on reading, that Jesus takes Peter, John, and James up a mountain. Let's read it, and then it's come back to, let's come back to it. So it's Luke 9 from verse 28. And it says, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took him He took him, Peter, John, and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy asleep again. They always seem to be asleep, don't they? But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and two men stood with him. And as the men were passing from him, Peter said to to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said... As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son. I wonder, is it like a Morgan Freeman voice? Is it a bit of a Samuel L. Jackson voice? You know, what sort of voice? We won't go there. Okay, I'm going down a rabbit hole. My imagination's okay. Um, (laughs) And the voice had spoken. Jesus, once the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Jesus calls these disciples out. And he takes them for a wander up the mountain. It's hard when Jesus perhaps calls you out or gives you a glimpse of something, where it's in your giftings or where it's um, something, where he wants you to go down a certain route. It's, it's, it's sometimes hard when you're happy with life, or you're going down a certain route, and he calls you out, and you want to go down, and you want to, and he says, "I want you to go with me. Come down this, come down this route." It can be hard because although you want to perhaps go with Jesus, sometimes you see it. People are torn because although they want to go, they still want to remain. Jesus saying, "Look, I want, I." I I want, to show you, I want to show you something. Would you just come and have a follow? And, and so you see it with some people's lives, with some people. And perhaps you've experienced this before. I know I expe- I've, I've, ex- I've experienced before where God feels like God's calling you into something, but because you're quite happy where you are, or perhaps it's, the life's a little bit uncomfortable and you don't see how it quite works, you're almost like you're stretched. Half of you wants to stay, and half of you wants to go. 
And because you're stretched and you see some people, they implode, they, ex- they explode because they're so torn. They're trying to live this double life and it just doesn't work. It's like, are you following me or are you going to stay with the crowd? Because some of the things that God wants to speak to you about is not for the ears of the crowd. It's for you. He wants to show, whatever it may be, he wants to show you something of perhaps what is coming in part. He wants to give you a revelation of perhaps who he is, where to, where to go, where to go how, how to guide things. And it's not for other people, it's for you. And sometimes people, although they've got the giftings, although they've got the ability... They might have the character, they might not have the character, but because even though they know they're called, and because we still have a choice what we do, even though they're called, they don't go anywhere, and they get frustrated that they don't go anywhere, it's because they won't, they won't, they won't leave the group. Because we all want to be normal, whatever that is. And it's hard when you do start to climb the mountain, it's hard because it's a mountain. It's not a valley. How you live on top of a mountain is totally different to how you live in the valley. We've got a, we've got a picture of... Uh, see, they're good. We have a fantastic team. We've got a picture of Mount Hermon, which it's the closest mountain to Caesar Philippi, which uh, although the Bible doesn't say which mountain, they went up... We, we think that because that's the closest one to the city, um, uh, we, we think this is the one that Jesus took them up. And it's over 9,000 uh, foot tall, and even during the summer, it has snow on the top. It's that, it can get that cold. It's hard when God calls you into something that you haven't experienced before. You don't know what it's going to be like. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to. Uh, what you need to pack. You don't know anything. It says, "I'm calling you into this," and it's hard to think on a level that God's called you to, when you haven't experienced it. And that could be daunting. It's like, oh, how do I do it? How do I work? How do I work it out? What do I need to bring? And so sometimes we try to plan things ahead and saying, "Well, I just want you to follow me." It's not the leaps and the bounds. Sometimes it's just the, the steps and the step one, taking a step, one step after another. Would you focus on where you're going? Martin's walked up more mountains than I can probably have in my lifetime. And, and if I was to probably go up on a, mound, a mount, mountain, I'd have Martin as my guide, no problem, because there's that trust I know if he, puts a, if he puts a foot on somewhere, I know I can trust his judgment. And so whatever Martin tells me to pack, if Mar- see, Martin wants me to, I want to go up um, uh, Buketu, Etiv, Etiv Moor, and I'm thinking, okay, let's do the easy way, walk up the back, you know, up to the top, nice and easy. And Martin's going, James, no, we're going to go straight up that front. I'm just like, Phew. but if we do, I trust him. He's done it before. He knows what he's doing. But sometimes when you're on that journey and you're trying to change and you're trying to follow what God's calling you to do, you have to learn from the people or from the person who's been up there before. Sometimes the people in the valley, everyone knows everyone everyone else's business. Everyone knows how every other person should run, even though we haven't run the government, we can all do a better job, all these sort of things, you know what I'm saying? And some of us, I think we could. But it's that until you get there, and so sometimes people start a journey and they start taking foots and they start taking uh, steps and you start getting on your journey, and, but, and, but the people, people who are still in the valley 
just using no disrespect, but there's some people who are still in the valley who haven't taken a step up the mountain will then tell you how to live up the mountain. And we might have done that to other people. But how do they know? And so, for example, if you go back to read some of the uh, history about some of the climbers, some of the, some of the uh, back in the day, the, the traditional British climber, climbers, they wrote how to climb Mount Everest. And if you read some of it, they say, all you need is what you would wear on a British summer's day. And no wonder half of them froze on the mountain. Because there's this, I'm not going to change how I look to go up the mountain. I'm not going to look different. I'm not going to act differently from the other people because I want to try and fit in, but also I want to try and conquer. I want to try and achieve something, but I don't want to look out of place. So in doing so, they freeze to death. I wonder, for some of us, is God trying to take us somewhere, but we're still trying to do it how people do it in the valley? You can't do it. Something has to, something has to give. You can't go up on a, a freezing cold mountains and expect to survive a night in a, a tweed sh- suit, top hat, walking stick, shoes that have got no grip on them, and expect to survive. But yet, sometimes we do that, don't we? And when we, we look at it, and it's, when we look at the analogy, it's funny, but yet, how often do we do it? There's this tearing, there's this tearing of sometimes the spirit, but Jesus tell, we know that we can trust Jesus. We know. And for example, the next mountain image, this picture I took, and this is when I was at Bible college. Underneath the cloud, it had been snowing for about a week. The snow was quite high on the side. It's not a mountain, it's a hill. Um, and the cottage is on the side. And underneath the cloud, it has been rain. It, has been, you know, it was raining, snow on the ground. It was freezing cold. And I was there in the room that I had, and I was doing, I was doing an essay, I was doing, just woken up, and I started my, started my essay, and where my window looked up towards the top of the hills, and it was only for about two seconds, there was this parting of the clouds, and there was blue sky, and it, and it went back to clouds and rain. And I thought, and I had a glimpse, and I heard, just uh, there was like a little nudge, grab your camera, grab your tripod, and go. And at that, and that, and that, and that point, friends were coming in, and like, James, we go, we go into the um, student lounge, do you want to cut, do you want, do you want to come, do you want to do something? I was like, and I'm grabbing my camera, I'm grabbing my coat, I'm doing stuff. I was like, sorry, I'm, go, I'm, I'm, going, up the, I'm going up the hill. And they're like, you're crazy. And I'm putting my Wellington, I'm putting my Wellington boots on. Uh, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm like, don't do that. It's raining. Don't go, you don't want to go up. You don't want to go up there. Just stay down here. You go out, we go and have some fun. We go and get some pizza in. We just go watch a film. It, it'll, we just go have some fun. I was like, no, no, you need, to, you need to come up. And I'm glad I did leave them. Because even though those first, that, that first step of walking up, the, the road was slippery. Glad I wore my uh, Wellington boots because at some points the snow was coming over the boots, uh, Wellington boots, and you're going. And because of the path, you couldn't see the path, and so you had to sort of gauge. Okay, I've been up here before. I know sort of where to go. Let's stick as close as close to the to one side as possible and try not to go down that ditch. And so you're using the the tripod as like a, a walking stick and climb up. And as you're climbing through the rain and getting absolutely soaking, equipment's getting soaking, bad's getting soaking, I'm getting soaking, walking up, and you start walking through the clouds. And bit by bit, as you take one step after the next step after the next step, you literally walked through the clouds and it was roasting. It was baking. All the stuff that got wet walking up instantly almost like dried off. No one else was there. 
No one else was there. It was probably about an hour and a half, two hours later before a dog walker came from over, over the ridge that, that, that when they, they'd been, they come over that way. But it was bliss. It was peaceful. It was quiet. But if I hadn't have decided to go, I would never ex- have experienced that view. I would never experience that situation. If I hadn't have listened to that, James, just go, I would not have experienced that. It just would have been one of those wasteful days that didn't mean anything to any, anyone. And I would have just carried on with assignment work. But because I listened to a nudge, I quite like it. Even though it's done on a really old camera, it's a bit pixelated, and things, things like that, we're still, still learning. I was like, there's that moment where I learned to obey a glimpse and nudge, and in doing so, something happened. It might not have been super spiritual, it might not, it might not have been a miracle, but I learned to listen to that glimpse, that nudge of perhaps you should go. There's There's times when sometimes, especially in today's culture, people just want to take leaps and bounds, and they just want to, okay, I'm on a journey, God is leading me somewhere, and sometimes we want the finished product without going through the process. But the trouble is, if we get, if you have the finished product without learning the process, without learning to take one step in front of the other, instead of, instead of learning to, okay, I'm going to trust God in, this, in these steps, when you get that final product, whatever you, whatever you want, that final experience, you see it, if you haven't dealt with your character going up the hill, when you get to the top of the hill, your character will turn your blessing into something that will turn around and bite you from behind. Because your character is not equipped to hold what God wants to give you. And so lots of people, so, and, we, and, we, and, we all, and we all do it, and so and especially we, you see it with, with, Peter, with Peter, with his attitude, he's, go, he's going up the hill, he's going up the hill, they don't know what's going to happen, Jesus knows what's going to happen, but if you don't deal with your character, how many times, we see it even after this, where his character is there, but it's not quite there, it, it changes, and he deals with his character, but if you dealt with his character a little bit before, how much would it would have changed future outcomes? And the same, same for us. If we don't deal with our character, when you get a blessing, if that perhaps humility is not in check, if that ego is not in check, how, how often does it become instead of, you know, rightly, so, we, we, can, we can say, God has given me a gift. And there's nothing wrong with being confident about the gift that you use. Because you need to be confident and say, yes, God has given me this gift, and this is, for his, this is for his glory. It's not about me, it's about him. But it's when that ego then starts taking about how, because of this is how good I am, everyone now has to do it, not God's way, but my way. If you don't do what I want to do, I get mad at you, I shout at you, I do this, because it stops being, it stops being about your gift, and it starts being about you. And how many, times do, how many times do we see that? That as you start a journey, learn and accept and embrace that process, instead of, and, but as well as just facing the, whatever God's going to give and trusting that that will come to pass, saying, God, I don't want that blessing to bite me. So as I step, I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to, and as I'm focusing on his footsteps as he's leading, I'm going to try it and let the Holy Spirit change me. Because let's use this illustration for example. If Mark, we've set up, we've set up the cameras um, for live streaming and things like that, and um, we'll use it. My, my, I'll come up on the, I'll come up on the screen. And this is the centre point. I know if I stand here, I am, I am, and I should be in focus. Is that kind of? Yeah, I feel like someone's watching you. <laughs> and so, because... 
Oh. <laughs> I won't go there. I've got a joke in my head. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. And so I know so if, I, if I stand here, I'm in focus. If you get the center focus point right, when you then zoom out, if Mark zooms out, when the center point is right, everything else stays in focus because your center point is right. And so when you focus on Jesus and what he's called you to do and journeys that he's going to do, when you have that center focus, you can expand your view and everything else will be in focus. If you go through life, go through life stuff changes. Things happen. There's curveballs. There's um, life just happens. And sometimes the center focus bit gets, can become out of focus because of what's happening around the outside. There's a need that happens. There's a situation that you need to look after. There's a family issue. There's a crisis over there. And what sometimes happens, we end up focusing on the outside and we lose focus perhaps in the center of what God's called us to do. So although we've got an outside perspective, when they then zoom into the inside, because you're not focusing on the center point, you're focusing on the, you can't, what does the center look like? You can, you, you can see a rough outline. You can sort of see, you can't see my eyes. You, can, you sort of see me, but you don't see me because you're foc- you've lost your focus. Have we lost our focus? As we've been perhaps journeying up the hill, it's easier to, to get distracted. It's easier to... The things, you know, the, the, the storm comes in as, you go, as you're going up the hill, as God's taking you on a journey. The storm comes in, the Christ hits, hits, and sometimes we lose focus. What's your, what's your focus point? What's God calling you to do? Sometimes when we say, I don't know what God has called, got a calling on my life, what's the last thing that he told you to do? If you don't know what you're called to do, go back to the last thing that God told you to do. Because that hasn't changed. What was the last thing that God told you to do? What was the giftings that God has put in your life that he's wanted you to do? As you're journeying up the hill, do we need to practice? So, for example, Jules is one of the best electric guitarist people I know. But that's not your first instrument, is it? It's clarinet. Is it clarinet? Saxophone? Saxophone. He didn't start off. You don't just pick up something and just start playing it. How many hours have you spent doing scales? What, one hour. Do you know what? I possibly believe that. Uh, but how, many, how often, how many hours do people have to practice, hone in, develop? And sometimes, because we want the end result, we forget to do the small things and just take those steps. And we try and take the leaps, we try and take the bounds without checking the character. And what God shows us ends up destroying us because we haven't developed ourselves and we haven't learned that journey or process as we're going up the mountain. Because it says, as they get up to the mountain... Time goes so fast, doesn't it? As they get up to the mountain, it says that they end up falling asleep, but Jesus' clothes get whiter than white. The, bright, the brightness, it, it gets more bright than the, perhaps the snow on the ground at that time. We don't know if there's snow on the ground. We don't know if it was just, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but all we know, all we know is that the, it, it becomes brighter, it becomes the brightest or brightness of white, whatever that looks like, blinding, almost like a, uh, a Damascus Road experience, like seeing Jesus on the throne when in Revelations where it says the brightness of, of the throne, throne in all his radiance and, glo- radiance and glory, almost like hits, explodes, and the fullness of his glory is exposed on that, mount- on that mountain. And no wonder Peter and James and John wake up and they see that. They get another glimpse. They've never met Moses and Elijah. How did they know? 
Is it, did they know afterwards? And so when, they came to, so when it came to writing, they then added that bit in. But at that time, how did they know? We won't go too deep into that, but there's, a revela- there's that revelation there. But here's one of the funniest parts. Here comes Peter. In the valley, he's almost like a star because the question of who do you say I am, he answers right. And so he's like, I've got this. It's okay. I've got a plan. Jesus. And he answers a question that he hasn't even been asked. Jesus doesn't ask him anything. Jesus says, nothing. Peter comes in and says, Jesus, how about I build some tents for you? Which you can sort of understand from his way of thinking, way he grew, grew up. However, immediately he's forgotten the glimpse of what God, what, what, he's forgotten the glimpse of what Jesus placed on him a few verses back. He didn't know it was a few verses back, but we know it's a few verses back. A few moments back, a few days back. And he's forgot, he's forgot that it says about, I will build my church gathering of believers. Peter is trying to establish something that Jesus has already rejected. He's already saying, I'm not going to be refined to a temple. I'm not going to be refined to one of your tabernacles or buildings. You can't keep me there. That was never my home in the first place. I was there while you're going through the, de- through the desert and through the wilderness and, and through that. But actually, now it's a time. It's a transferring time. I was never going to, be, going to be there. And Peter is trying to reestablish old onto something that is new. Sometimes when God reveals, some of us, we like to, sometimes we like, I'm not kind Sometimes we like to plan things, and when God shows us stuff, we like to think, okay, we need to do this, 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 and we go and we do an old way of planning for something that's coming up and it's been new. Growing, growing up, I, my parents did a good job, but there, there are certain conversations I knew growing up. No matter what was said, I shut my mouth. I had not earned my stripes. I hadn't had the experience to enter into that conversation. And the amount of times there'll be a conversation going on that was perhaps um, above my level, above my experience, above my knowledge, and because I didn't understand that experience, because I didn't understand that knowledge, because I had the expertise, Muggins here would crack a joke. Why? Because to bring the level down to the conversation that I understood. They weren't all good jokes. They were, <laughs> and no wonder I got told off a couple of times. But that's what happens. Sometimes, we, because we don't understand the level of conversation, we don't understand the revelation that God is trying to give to us, we try and bring it down into, onto a level playing field of actually our way of thinking. Well, God must mean this. God must mean we need to do this. God must be doing this. And actually, Jesus is just saying, just... I've brought you up here to listen. I haven't brought you up here to speak. I'm showing you a glimpse. I'm showing you a revelation. I want you to trust me with this glimpse. I want you to trust me with this revelation. But you don't tell me what to do. You don't tell me how I plan things. You don't tell me how I maneuver. And it... And because of what Peter says, it says God comes down and the cloud surrounds. And even God, basically, in a polite way, tells him to shut up. <laughs> and he says, this is my beloved son. It's the second time God speaks in the New Testament. After the, Jesus baptized, he says, this is my beloved son. He does that with John the Baptist. With, with John the Baptist, John the Baptist, and he does this with Peter. It's like, "This is my beloved son. This is the Christ who you said was my son." Now, shh. listen. 
Why? Because the conversation that they were having, and it says in the text that Jesus was having a conversation with Elijah and Moses about his departure. What do we know about that? What, what input has Peter got to know about that? What is Moses, for what of their expression, I've, we have no idea. What does Moses and Elijah know about Jesus unless there's some sort of revelation or Jesus saying, okay, this is what is happening, this is what I want you to do? We don't know. All we know is that they're having a conversation. I wonder. I wonder, what is God trying to speak to you today? What is God trying to speak to me today? What is God trying to speak to us today? But with, with all due respect, we're, all kind of, we're just babbling, we're distracted, we haven't got a focus point. We're failing to see what he's trying to do. We're trying to do things our way. We're trying to put one foot in, in front of the other, but we're listening to the people behind us trying to live how we should live up at the top because the higher you get up the mountain, the higher the responsibility, the, the further that the further that God takes you, the more the responsibility, the more the pressure, the more the critics. So if you run a shop and you're one of the staff employees, the criticism that you get is not as bad as the manager. Criticism, the more you go up, the more you get criticized, the more, more people nitpick at you, say, oh, I wouldn't do that, I would do, I would, I would do this, that's a bad decision, what are, they, what are they thinking? They don't know anything about this. My expertise that I've had no qualifications in, this is what I would do. Criticism goes up, and if you don't deal with your character going on the, going on the way, you have to realize that the battles that you're fighting are distracting you from what God's calling you to do. You're wasting all your energy trying to fight and, and keep your character amongst all the other people that actually you're getting nowhere, and so you start to travel and you get frustrated because in about two, three years' time that you're getting nowhere because actually you spent so much time trying to put out fires that didn't need to be put out, you haven't got anywhere, so you get frustrated because you haven't started and you've lost your focus. And that's what sometimes I struggle with as well. Is that I'm going down a certain way and there's jobs that come away. James, can you just do this? James, can you do this? And though you start off doing something in a day, you end up not doing it because other tasks have come your way, which, although they're important, they could have waited till the next day. Lost focus. There's things that I wish I would have done earlier, but because I didn't have, I was so focused on the valley, I was so focused on the wider, thing, the wider things that I lost focus and so I've lost time. But we know that when we put our focus back on God, he can restore what the locusts have taken away. What things do you have to let go. There's an interview that um, I was podcast interview I was I was listening to, and it had a couple of it had mixed uh, Christian leaders that normally um, in from a couple of the high up churches, and they were saying there's so much stuff on social media, there's so much stuff in the news, but why do none of you say anything about it? And the overall answer was, let other pe people think what they think. They don't know the truth. They don't know the situation. They don't know the circumstances. Hold your peace. Their opinions, they can have their opinions, but it's not the right opinions. Let them think what they want to think. God knows my heart. God knows where we're going. He knows our motives. I don't have to just my, justify myself to people who perhaps aren't invested in the church, who aren't, in, who aren't invested in the church, who are not for them, who are not with them. And so they're like, you have to be careful who 
you try and appease. You have to be careful who, when God gives you a vision, God gives you a glimpse, who you share that glimpse with, because not the, all the glimpses that you get on the hilltop are for the people in the valley. So when they go from the mountaintop down, Jesus tells them, don't tell people. Not until later. God can give you a gift, God can give you a vision, God can give you a dream, but because perhaps we share that with the wrong people, people get jealous. They sabotage. The enemy tries to kick in. And the people you think were your friends have stabbed you in the back, they've stolen your idea, and they're going to do it. It doesn't mean that you still can't do it, but there's that wisdom of actually, what has God placed And what is for you and what's for other people? Because social media and everything, everyone is so keen to share their expertise. God's given me this revelation. God's given me that revelation. That is great. That's fantastic. You need to be wise who you share that with. Is that a wider thing or is that for you to keep until something comes to pass and then you can share it with? Is there perhaps only one or two close people who you trust, who you know are for you, who are with you? When you have a bad day, they're still there. They know that when you share stuff with them, it's not going to be spread around the church. It's not going to be spread around the family. It's, got to be spread, it's not going to be spread around friends. Who are those people who you can trust? Say, I, I trust you. Can you pray into this? That you know their judgment. The glimpses that you have are not for everyone. I wonder what journeys God is taking all of you on. I wonder what gifts and abilities that he's placed in your life that are perhaps on pause. I wonder what callings God has put on your, on your lives that perhaps the distractions have taken place that we need to cut out. Are there moments where we've gone a certain level, but if we really truly look at it, our ego has kicked in. It's turned from God's kingdom, God's will be done, to my way or the highway. My ministry is all about me. I want the praise. I want the glory. We're all on different journeys. We're all on different stages of these journeys. I just want to encourage you this morning. As you set your focus point, as you start taking those steps, you don't need to plan it. Focus and use the gifts and abilities. Hone them. Build them up. But let God lead you step by step. He's not going to take you up halfway up the hill and then abandon you. But he'll train you and guide you. And you always won't stay up on top of the mountain. We have to come back down into the valley to teach, to plant, to sow seeds. And so sometimes it's like an up and down experience because we have to learn. And then we go down and some things we have to apply, we have to put into practice. We have to put into practice. We have to experience, and then we perhaps there's another hill or mountain that we go back up. But God takes the, and we get those glimpses. Get those glimpses. I wonder what journey God has got place for you, and for us.